Welcome to Real Paranormal Activity, the network. Entertainment you'll enjoy. You are listening to an RPA production where people gather. Foss Corporation, LLC. Welcome to the Mansion on the Hill. This is the home of Terry's Serious Moments. Stories of oddness, of weirdness of nature gone strange. This is season four. We thank you for coming along for the ride. Hope you enjoy it. Hello, and welcome to another episode of Terry's Mysterious Moments. This week, I want to talk about the great state of Kentucky. I've heard of some stories from there, and I want to share them with you. See how you like it. In Season 1, Episode 10 of Terry's Mysterious Moments, I told you about what Bigfoot-type critters are called around the world. Even here in America, where we have a plethora of sightings, plaster-cast footprints, hair samples, and eyewitness accounts, even face-to-face confrontations, Bigfoot goes by different names. Bigfoot, Sasquatch, Wildman, Skunk Ape, as well as many other local names. Be that as it may, I could probably present one full show on any given location and share personal stories, local evidence, and local legends about the Bigfoot phenomenon. In eastern Kentucky, there are local stories, legends, and much folklore about something called the Wildman. Early stories attribute much of the legend to early American lore. These tales deal with the spirit that may or may not predate American Indian habitation. In these tales, the wild man is a protector of both the tribes of the area and the land of the area. Truth or tribal boogeyman in order to make white settlers move on out of the area? That's a good question. Whatever the explanation, early white settlers tended to accept and honor the stories they were being told. Due to this acceptance, it has become part of the history of the rural areas in Kentucky and much a part of the beliefs of the residents. They'll tell you the stories, but it may be in hushed tones, and it will never, ever be told flippantly. The wild man is commingled with stories about huge black cat-like creatures, usually described in very odd terms. In my imagination, the descriptions I've heard of these alternate creatures, different from the Bigfoot ones that is, sound more like descriptions of a werewolf type creature. They are described as quadrupedal at times, moving low to the ground, tail curled under, and having a low-hanging or distended belly. When they stand upright, they walk bipedally, and the belly becomes more pronounced. Could it be 
A. Pregnant or B. Having just fed. The black critters are seen in various places by various witnesses. What could these be? Could the legendary wampus cat be spending time in eastern Kentucky? Sounds heard when dealing with the wild man have been described as screams. Apparently, one investigator devoted much time tracking what this sound could belong to, and one possible explanation is that it is the scream or bark of a red fox. Now, I don't know about you, but whenever I think about red fox screaming, it's usually, you big dummy, but then again, that's a different red fox. Maybe so it's a fox, or maybe these rarely seen but mainly unknown critters are perfect mimics. Many people have seen the Kentucky Wildman, or so they claim. Did they really see an unknown critter, or did they see a bear and become muddled in their minds to where a sight tricks them into seeing a ten-foot monster? Did they possibly see a black panther or puma, and their susceptible minds turned it into an upright walking critter they can't name? This does happen at times. At times. Not all the time, but perhaps often enough. I know when I was a child, I witnessed a black panther cross the farm road we lived on, and I know that booger was as long from tip of nose to tip of tail so that it stretched across the road we were traveling on and had booger left over on both edges of the road. I was only elementary age then, but I saw it, and there was no exaggeration. I lived out in the Mesquite and Yopon country east of Austin, but I never knowingly saw a Bigfoot-type creature. Although I did have a run-in with a huge black shape in my backyard once. When there was no possibility of us getting to go swimming up at our tank, our parents would get three galvanized wash tubs, fill them with water, and sometimes Mr. Bubble if we were lucky, and let us have our water fun there. One day, my two brothers had gone inside and left me happily playing in my tub under the chinaberry tree. After a little while, something came running up and I was violently turned over by a large black figure, whom I've always believed to be the older of the two brothers still at home, an accusation both vehemently denied for a long time. The drawback to the location was that it was the place where the detritus of the chinaberry tree fell which is dead dry chinaberries, stems, small branches, and talc-like dirt. And when it got wet, it stuck like glue. It was as though someone had just whizzed in my lucky charms. But I digress. There have been stories in the eastern Kentucky hills of a critter that can move rapidly through forest growth that would slow a man to just a couple of yards in several minutes of struggle. And the stories include three dogs fighting something out in the patch that bore the description of what I call a possible werewolf, down to two of the three dogs having battle-damaged faces and the third dog not being seen again. The owner of this property being discussed also said that there were stone walls on the property like someone had cleared the area for plowing, but the fact that the area was well within the tree line made it unlikely any planning was being done. Were the early settlers building protective fortresses against the wild men of their lower 
or was it places of worship perhaps? No good explanation has been forthcoming. The black cat werewolf type creature has been witnessed crossing the well-traveled road, simply walking upright and almost ambling across the road and off into the adjoining field. It has also been seen out in fields, watching groups of deer, before realizing it was being observed and slowly disappearing into the tree line. The stories told do not reference this critter as a werewolf, that's my wording, but based on the descriptions. One thing that Kentucky has in quantity is caves. Kentucky sits on a base of limestone. Thus, the whole state rests on somewhere in the vicinity of 130 caves, possibly many more. Some of these caves go on for miles and could easily be connected. Could these caves be the hideouts of Kentucky's haints, critters, and boogeymen? It could be. It's not beyond thought. In May of 1894, several farmers chased a large hairy beast that had been raiding their farms into a local cave. In fact, various skeletons referred to as giants were found in caves or places protected by overhanging rock shelves. In 1811, at Mammoth Cave, an eight-foot skeleton was found alongside a smaller, younger skeleton. In 1876, the New York Times ran an article about three giant-sized skeletons being found in Kentucky. 1965 had a landowner who found an 8-foot, 9-inch skeleton under a rock ledge. He described the remains as having extremely long arms and very big hands. The skull was 30 inches in circumference. The eyes and nose were slits instead of sockets and the jaw was affixed solidly to the skull. Many sightings have been reported in Anderson County at a place known as Panther Rock. This area of Kentucky is called the Fraser Land, supposedly after the founding family, which had reportedly disappeared. Numerous hunters, travelers, and campers have reported strange things in the area of Panther Rock. The cat-like creature, or the werewolf-like creature as I described it, has been seen there several times. Basically, you're not going to bother me, I'm going to stand here and watch you, and then I'm going to leave. It was not frightened. There were reports of a blue light that would hover in the area. Daniel Boone, the well-known frontiersman from Kentucky, even has a cryptid story in his history. He was reported to tell of an encounter with what he called a Yahoo. It didn't end well for the Yahoo. Boone described this creature as a 10-foot tall, hairy man. There is intelligence stating that there were critters in the area known as Ahus. This is possibly the same thing, just allowing for local pronunciation and dialects. So did D. Boone actually kill one of Bigfoot's relatives? You know, Kentucky is a place with many stories. As beautiful as a place is, it's got some weirdness. Legends, if you will. It's the home of Bobby Mackey's music world and its haunting story of Johanna, the tale of the ignominious ending and gruesome slaying of a young woman named Pearl on the premises back in the day when it was a slaughterhouse, and the supposed gateway to hell under the building. It has been visited by many paranormal programs. The hillbilly beast dates back to Daniel Boone's day. 
The tales describe it as a hairy, smelly Bigfoot-like being that howls. Could this be the Yahoo Boone confessed to killing? The legend of Hot Rod Haven dates back to the 50s. A young couple were on their way to a dance and speeding down Mitchell Hill Road. Their car crashed and the couple was killed. The cemetery at the top of the hill is home to the Mitchell and Griffin families. It is here the couple's bodies were laid to rest together. The young girl is said to walk the roads in search of something, perhaps a trinket she lost during the accident. The Kentucky legends of Sleepy Hollow don't involve a headless horseman, but instead a creepy hearse and ghostly cries. The lore tells us that in prospect, a hearse appears from thin air and runs drivers off the road. They also say the sounds of crying can be heard from what was once the Crybaby Bridge. It is said that decades ago, and more likely a century or more, women would throw their unwanted or sickly children off the sides to their death. Time warps have also been experienced. Drivers claim to enter the road at one time and exit several hours later according to the time. Apparently this is a minutes long road, not hours long, but it takes them hours to get to the end. In northern Kentucky stands the Cody Road Railroad Bridge. Unfortunately there is severe flooding there and supposedly long ago a woman is rumored to either have drowned or committed suicide during a flood. Now iron gates are attached at either side that automatically close with a stop sign during flooding, keeping people off the bridge. They came too late though as, supposedly, a woman's voice can be heard crying and calling out during floods. A ghostly police officer supposedly likes to patrol Narrows Road in Erlanger, Kentucky. In the 1950s, an officer was hit by another vehicle during a traffic stop. Now he pulls people over in the same vehicle but disappears as he walks to the person's car or, after having spoken to some of them, disappears on his way back to his car. In Fisherville, the Norfolk Southern Railway trestle runs over Floyd's Fork River. It has been said that Goatman lives underneath the trestle and calls out in a childlike voice for help. Those who go to help are found dead or not found again. Or so the legend says. The Popelick Monster, or Goatman if you prefer, origins, real or otherwise, are unknown, but the deaths which have occurred at the bridge are well documented, usually thanks to thrill seekers looking for the beast. The home of the Popelick Monster is, as I said, to be the trestle bridge which passes over the Popelick Creek in Kentucky. Supposedly, the monster has the body of a man and the lower torso of a goat or sheep. It is also said to have short horns protruding from its forehead. According to differing reports, the goat man either uses hypnosis or some sort of siren voice to lure people onto the train tracks where they are then run down by passing locomotives. In other stories, the goat man drops down onto passing cars from within the trestles. Of course, these are all just legends. However, the truth is that there have been a number of people who have scaled the eight-foot fence to meet their end on or under the bridge while legend tripping. 
a pastime where amateur folklorists and monster hunters go in seek of their legends. Trains still rattle across the aging bridge, and foolish trespassers have been known to be struck by the locomotives or fall off the bridge while climbing the trestles. Legend or no, the Pope Lick monster may have claimed more lives than most myths. Ellesmere, Kentucky is home to the Allendale Trailer Park and behind it, in the woods, is the Allendale Train Tunnel. Legend has it a man hung himself from a hook above the tunnel. Some say his ghost appears swinging from above the tunnel. Others say he walks the tunnels and screams can be heard echoing through it. Now there is no train track through the tunnel, the train runs above it. It is there to allow a creek to pass through. On Lambs Ferry Road in Ryland, Kentucky, in a dark, desolate area, sit the twin train tunnels designed by LNN Railroad, now CSX. Back in the 1930s, a man was hit and killed. Some say he was connected to the railroad, others say he was just out for an evening stroll. Now he can be seen walking through the tunnel, seemingly trying to reach the exit. Sometimes he carries a lantern. Other times he doesn't. Iroquois Park in Louisville, Kentucky is a woodland gem in the heart of the South End. The lush green forest is filled with twisting trails of varying lengths where people hike, walk, and bike. Legend has it that in the 1800s, a settler and his wife lived there. The woman was home alone when Indians attacked. They killed the family dog then beheaded the woman and burned down the cabin. It is said that at times a thick fog overtakes the trails and they are filled with the stench of smoke. Afterwards a woman in 1800s clothing can be seen walking, covered in blood, and carrying her severed head. Hogan's Fountain in Louisville's renowned Cherokee Park is home to a finely crafted statue of Pan. For decades, late night park visitors have claimed that on the full moon, Pan goes for a stroll. These nights are told to be filled with mischief like car damage and other annoying acts. James Hatcher was a happily married wealthy gent who lived in Pikeville, Kentucky. He was involved in timber, coal mining, and owned the first hotel in the community. Hatcher wed local lovely Octavia Smith in 1889, and she bore him one son. Unfortunately, the 1890s had a relatively high infant mortality rate. Also, many of the diseases for which we now have vaccines, like measles and smallpox, were deadly. Octavia and James's son fell gravely ill not long after birth, and the small child died in January of 1891. The death of her son put Octavia into a deep, dark depression, and she fell physically ill. She eventually slipped into a coma, and on May 2nd of 1891, the new bride was pronounced dead. James was devastated, and he buried his bride. Soon after, others in the town suffered some mysterious illness. These recent sufferers, though, woke back up. This gave James hope, and he quickly organized an exhumation of Octavia's coffin. Sadly, he was too late, and his bride was truly dead this time. Although it was obvious from the scratching and clawing at the coffin lid that she had awoken to the terror of being buried alive, 
It is said she had a look of absolute terror on her face, as if she had been frozen in fear. James Hatcher had to mourn and bury his bride twice. Now this story I've told before on here. The invasion of a homestead in Hopkinsville by little green men and the defense of said homestead by the residents thereof. The mystery of the little green men in Kentucky has been given several different names. It was called the Kelly Green Man case, also the mystery of the Kentucky Goblins. It took place in 1955 just outside Hopkinsville within the borders of Christian County. UFO enthusiasts have deemed it one of the most well-documented cases in the realm of unidentified, unexplainable incidents. Five adults and seven children made their way to the police station on August 21st of 1955 to report the encounter. Elmer Lucky Sutton and Billy Ray Taylor both claimed to have fought off these unknown beings with gunfire, claiming they had been shooting at 12 to 15 short, dark figures who repeatedly popped up at the doorway or peered into the windows. The police investigated, finding actual evidence of lots of gunfire, but no goblins. The residents and visitors swore to their existence and were terrified. Even military police came out to observe the crime scene. Neighbors also reported strange lights and sounds. Skeptics say the reports were due to the effects of excitement. Some have even said alcohol played a big part and misidentification of natural phenomena such as meteors and owls was part of the blame. The United States Air Force classified the alleged incident as a hoax in the Project Blue Book files. Waverly Hills Sanatorium is in Kentucky. This historic hospital first opened its doors in 1910 to treat tuberculosis patients. It has seen over 60,000 deaths within its walls and is believed to be haunted by some of those who died there. A number of television shows have explored the site. Witnesses have reported anything from unexplained lights to shadowy forms and apparitions at the hospital. The Jim Beam Distillery in Claremont has spirits. Witnesses say that a former guard haunts this Jim Beam Distillery. He was known to be a bit out of his mind and liked to yell at the full moon during a shift. Perhaps he visited the tasting room much too often. Reports say you can hear his screams on nights when there is a full moon. It seems that in the late 1900s, in the small town of Marion, Kentucky, the townsfolk believed that Mary Evelyn Ford and her mother were witches. Instead of taking them through the traditional judicial system, they immediately sentenced them to be burned alive. Mary Evelyn Ford was six years old. Her mother's charred corpse was buried somewhere far from Marion, and the little girl was buried in Pilot's Knob nearby. The town folk believed her spirit would return to take revenge, and so they buried the girl in a steel-lined grave. They covered her casket with concrete and gravel instead of dirt, and surrounded her grave with a white fence made out of interconnecting crosses. Town folklore states that this little girl's spirit cannot cross the gate around her grave, but she reaches out to anyone who dares come near. 
She can pull a mortal into her grave, and it is said that she makes faces to provoke people so she can get near enough to pull you into her gated area. That's bad enough, but this little girl's supposed ghost is not the only thing there. Near the child witch's gravesite, another dark spirit looms, known as the pilot's knob watcher. This presence encourages a quickened pace and makes the hair on the back of the neck stand up. It seems to loom around the child's iron prison, making its presence known to those who go there after dark. Some say it guards the spirit of the girl. Others say it waits to snatch the girl's spirit, dragging it into a much darker place. Local residents avoid the area and seem somewhat frightened to speak of it, unlike most keepers of urban legends. Urban legends are a unique part of our American history all across the United States. This is just a peek into Kentucky's colorful history of lore and legend. There have been some very convincing testimonials over the years in regards to many of these tales. Realistically, most lore is derived from some truth. It is interesting to wonder where the line is drawn, though, between real and embellished. Well, that's the show for this week. I hope you enjoyed it. Be with me next week as we come back with another story or another group of stories for Terry's Mysterious Moments. I want to remind you that on Mondays, Aaron Hunter brings you Real Paranormal Activity, the podcast, which is listener stories that Aaron tells, mostly ghost stories. On Tuesdays, we have Aaron Frail with Aaron's Horror Show, where he reviews horror movies, different books, uh, things that he's written. Wednesdays, it's me, Terry's Mysterious Moments, with me, Terry from Texas, where we cover just about anything you can think of. We also have video productions on the first Friday of the month from the Witching Hour and from Unexplained Cases. Also remember that you can go to your app store, whether you have an Apple or an Android, you can go to your app store, look for the RPA app. It's a black square with a blue eye right in the middle of it. You can't miss it. And you can download that app, install it into the device you listen to the programs on, and that way you will not have to go looking for the programs. They'll be right there. Do that. It'll be a lot easier for you to get to the stories. That's about it. I hope everybody has a good week. Thanks for being here. Bye-bye.